Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your host of the Elevate Podcast, Tyler Johnson. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Elevate, Educate, Rejuvenate with the number eight woven into those words. Today's guest I'm super excited to have with us. She is the host herself of the Building Championship Mindsets Podcast. She's got a wonderful TEDx talk called Think Like a Champion Today. We'll link that up here. She's a speaker, trainer, performance consultant, and coach, as she is the founder of Selking Performance Group, emphasizing the power of mindset and leadership to drive lasting change. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Dr. Selking. Welcome to the show, Dr. Amber Selking. have a PhD in applied sports psychology with an emphasis in positive psychology. Why should coaches emphasize positive psychology more than we might often see? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if, we, if you're trying to get high performance, then you have to understand the, the brain state that can allow for high performance to happen, right? And the reality of it is when a brain is stressed out or anxious or insecure or worried, it's not positioned to, to deliver optimally, right? And so particularly when we're thinking about sports or business or life, when the realities of those things are often not ideal circumstances and just you know sunshine and rainbows and easy, then even more, it's important that the brain is in a right state so that it can navigate challenges, so that it can problem solve, et cetera. And so what we know is that when the brain's in a positive state, it thinks more clearly, it thinks more creatively, and it problem solves better. And so as coaches, you know, we need to be really mindful then about the words that we're using, the communication that we have with with our student athletes, and the environment that we're creating so that we can, again, create optimal mental states to help athletes deal with the challenges that come up, whether it's, you know, in the course of a competition or trying to navigate life outside of sport and then still show up and deliver within sport. And so, you know, if, if coaches really are interested in, in having high performance from their athletes, then all the research would suggest that uh, figuring out how to create a positive coaching environment would be most conducive for them accomplishing what it is they want to. No doubt. Awesome stuff. So uh, check out Amber's podcast, Way Building Ch- the Champ. Sorry, Building Championship Mindsets podcast. That's right, right? Yep, that's it. Building Championship Mindsets. Um, as I'm uh, recording some podcasts here uh, and interacting guests, is there a lesson that sticks out from your podcast from, from people or just, just talking that uh, has stuck with you through that process? Man, you know, I've been so blessed and fortunate to have had conversations with people from you know, all over the world and from all different sectors. And I think just you know, the reality of it is you can pull insights from anybody. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so important to have a humble spirit knowing that, that you can glean lessons from them. And I think that, you know, just the importance of listening, you know, when you're in the midst of a conversation, there might be, there might be some, some preset questions that you have, but really being able to hear what the person's saying and catch up on that so that you can ask more provocative questions. You know, um, when, when I was doing my grad school work and in, in terms of qualitative research, you know, we are, our, our 
advisor use the use the analogy of sort of searching for gold nuggets. You know, it's you you don't you don't just walk up to a rock and it's all one big thing of gold. <laughs> you know, there's right. there's a lot of mining that has to happen. Um, but if you're if you're patient and you listen really well, you're you're certainly um, able to to stumble across some of those and you, you got to be sort of gentle pulling it out so that you can really walk away with, with the depth of the insight that the individual is trying to, to give you. Awesome answer. Intuitive. Um, so you're a pretty uh, amazing athlete yourself. Uh, I know from uh, Brittany Bach uh, telling me a little bit about you. Um, can you talk about your athletic career and how it led to uh, your professional career? Yeah, so, you know, I had the extreme fortune of playing soccer at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, my freshman year, we were undefeated and lost in the national championship game against uh, North Carolina, so I'm still pretty salty against Baby Blue. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is I started playing soccer when I was seven years old, and I had a dream to go play soccer at Division One. And I grew up in a small town in northeastern Pennsylvania where we have more cattle than, than humans and one stoplight, you know, um, and and so throughout the course of that, you know, I always said I want to go to soccer, college to play soccer and people are like, oh, okay, yeah, you're good. You can probably do that. Um, and then when I realized like, man, I think I want to go to Notre Dame. Um, everybody was like, oh, well, you're good, but you're not like that good, you know, and, you know, you're too small and you're from a small town. And you're not even Catholic. And so, you know, maybe readjust your your sites. And so that made me want it even more, obviously. Right. And, um, and so I had actually committed to the Naval Academy my senior year of high school um, before I found out that I had gotten accepted to Notre Dame. So I was a preferred walk in, walk on to ND um, and, uh, you know, really wrestled with that, man, I committed to the Naval Academy, but I, in my heart, you know, I made this deal with God that if I got into Notre Dame, which all stats should say that I shouldn't have, um, then I would go. And so I was sort of met with this dilemma and I wrestled with it all season or all spring because of obviously those two things, my, my earthly word and then sort of my eternal world word. And uh, a month before I was supposed to leave for plebe summer and two days before the Notre Dame deadline, I tore my first ACL um, in an indoor league. And I remember like falling to the ground and in my head thinking, well, I guess I'm going to Notre Dame um, because I wouldn't be able to go through plebe summer, you know, with a torn ACL and the, the options just didn't look good. And so, you know, Coach Waldrum thankfully said, you know, I told you if you got in, you'd be on the team. So welcome home. And, you know, so I redshirted my fall season that we went on this, you know, amazing run and played my spring season and, and thought I was coming back really well. You know, I was that kid that at the end of every practice, I'd, I'd talk to my seniors and be like, how am I doing? What do I need to do better? Like, bah, 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 you know, because I was crazy. And, uh, and they were just like, no, you're doing well, Alat. Like, keep it up. We're excited to see you come back. And then I, I remember going into uh, my end of year meeting my freshman year and, and the, my coach said, like, how would you feel if you weren't on the team next year? And I just remember like my whole world sort of like sort of felt like it was crumbling. And I, I just looked at him and I was like, man, everything I've done since I've been seven years old was because I wanted to go to college to play soccer. And I feel like I've been brought here to Notre Dame for a reason. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You tell me how I'm going to feel if, if it's gone. And, and they said, well, come back in a couple hours and we'll, we'll tell you what we decided. And so you know, I, I couldn't study, obviously, in the middle of finals. I couldn't study. I opened my email, and I was getting daily devotionals from FCA at the time. And I remember 
Um, well, well, so let me back up just a second. You know, as athletes, our numbers are super important to us. And so as the number one ranked team in the country, we were signing stuff for little girls like every day. You know, there'd be posters in our locker, balls or whatever. And I would always sign it, A-Lat, Jeremiah 2911, right? Because, you know, Jeremiah, 20, like 11 was my number in high school. 29 was my number in college because two plus nine equals 11. And Jeremiah 2911, oh, it's a good verse. If anybody actually ever looks this up, it'll be good for him to read. So, you know, I've literally been doing that every day for the last seven months of my life. And I, I go after having this meet with coach and um, I sit down and, and I open an, this email from FCA and it starts with Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for your life, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And I think right then I knew that I was going to get released. Um, and so, but then I was like, also, he's not going to see me cry anymore. So I like bit my lip up, you know, and I, I went back for my meeting and, um, and he said, you know, we, we made the decision that because your knees just didn't come back the way we thought it would. And we've got a ton of girls coming in that, you know, you won't be on the team anymore. And I stood up and I shook his hand and I said, thank you for the opportunity. And I walked out and I remember walking out and I was standing on the corner. Uh, sorry, this is a long story, but no, I was standing yeah. on the corner and, uh, you know, I was like, I'll, I'll go back to my dorm. And then I like stopped. And I was like, well, no, if I walk in my dorm and I'm not Amber, the soccer player, like, who am I, you know? And then I started to walk the other way to the weight room. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I'm not an athlete anymore. Am I even allowed in the weight room? So I just stood there and I, I remember feeling hollow for the first time in my life, you know, from like the base of my head to the bottom of my stomach. And, and I wrestled with that. And, and I thought like, all right, well, I'm going to transfer and play. I'm going to transfer and play somewhere. And, you know, all the things you do to hold on as an athlete. And I remember like two days later, um, I ran into Harold Swanigan, who was a former basketball player at Notre Dame and, and was the, the faculty rep at this point for FCA on campus. And he said, hey, hey lad, I've been thinking like you should run uh, FCA next year for Notre Dame. And I was like, Swanee, I'm not even an athlete, you know, and I break down and there's wow. this huge guy, you know, like trying to hug me. And he's like, he's like, he's like, man, listen, once an athlete, always an athlete. If you decide to come back, like, I think, I think you're meant to do this. And so, you know, that gave me a shred of hope. And I, and I feel like at that moment, I was like, man, I, I was brought to Notre Dame for a reason, but I was stubborn. I was too stubborn to think it, it would have been like absent of soccer. So, so God used soccer to get me here and then was like, okay, young buck, here's what I really brought you here for. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, at that point, I, I think is when it really shifted for me, like, man, I felt hollow and I had this identity crisis and I've got a, I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I've got a family at home that loves me. Like imagine those people that don't have either of those and they lose their sport. Like what happens then? And so that was really the catalyst that got me into this sort of understanding of identity that deeper than the, the sport that you play or the role that you play. And um, while I did that throughout my time at Notre Dame with student athletes, I thought that was just my way to ease my ego out of sport. So I went into corporate America um, and spent lasted about a month there before I realized that I needed to be back in sport. Um, but I had made a commitment to the company. So I was there for two years um, and then found Sport Psych and really realized that you know, everything that I taught through Notre Dame Christian athletes in terms of identity and through the lens of faith 
man, this, there was also a science behind this and, and you can reach a much broader audience if you can understand the scientific side of it and, and draw those parallels and teach people from that regard. And so, you know, that personal experience for me and my athletic career, um, I think was a catalyst to, to get me into sports psych and helping people understand like, man, I can teach you how to be better at your sport by training your mental game. But I'm also confident that what you're going to learn through this is going to be great um, for you once, once that sport ends. And so again, that's, that's sort of the foundation of the work that I do now um, and why I do what I do, because I believe that, you know, once an athlete, always an athlete, but we got to know how to tap into the power of that if, if we plan to do it in a way that's meaningful for ourselves and for the world. Fantastic. Um, you've had the opportunity to, to work with Notre Dame football. I know I'm a, a former college football player. What's one thing you wish all football players had a greater understanding of as they come into college football? That is such a huge question. Um, so I've got a couple bullets that I'm going to hit, but we could talk for an hour on all, all of them. So I think, I think first and foremost to understand that it's a process, um, you know, we talk about that, but like, what really is your process and what does that mean? You know, I, I think of, you know, guys that we have that are older guys that are like studs now, you know, and young guys come in and they want to be them right away. And the reality of it is like these dudes are studs now and maybe have been for two years, but when they came in as freshmen, like they weren't and, and it's a process and it's okay that you're not the best right away, you know? And so I think just helping guys wrap their head around that um, and understand that if they stay disciplined to that process early on, even when they might not be seeing the immediate results that they want, that it's worth it. And if they really want to be great bad enough, then they're willing to do what it takes to get there. And part of that is to really invest yourself um, and involve yourself in the process that your program has set up for you. So that would be number one. Um, the second is that you can talk about emotions and it doesn't need to be an emotional conversation, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I and, like and I think that, that that's why I love working with guys is um, because, and, and, and women too. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Like emotions are important and they really dictate a lot of how we are able to show up and deliver in the moment. But most of us, particularly as athletes are conditioned to think that emotions are bad and so we suppress them or act like they don't exist. And really, those are just waiting to come up in any moment to derail the mission that you're on. And so as we can give individuals language around how to articulate um, emotions and emotional experiences and then how to process those better, um, I just firmly believe that we can help uh, people just find the joy in sport you know, and really the love of the game that we talk about and hope for, but that the higher up in competition you go, a lot of times we get stripped of because people don't know how to talk about just the human element of the experience. Yeah. So, you know, I think know that it's a process, trust the process, engage in the process, uh, understand that emotions aren't bad and, and we can talk about them in a non-emotional way. And then I, I think the next is that things the, the two things of you know sport focus and mental toughness you know those can be trained it's not you have it or you don't and at the end of the day the brain isn't a muscle in the scientific sense but it functions like a muscle in the extent that the parts of it that we use grow and get stronger 
and the parts of it that we don't get weaker. And so things like focus, things like mental toughness, things like confidence, all of those elements can be trained and conditioned if you're willing to integrate mental performance training into how you go about your preparation process. Right on. Uh, yourself as an athlete or as a, through your professional journey, is there someone that's uh, elevated your game the most as a person and how so? So, I mean, at, per my earlier story, my faith's really important to me. And so I think, you know, whatever, whatever your faith background is or isn't, having a broader perspective on life is critical, I, I think, to being able to navigate the highs and lows of high performance. And, and so, you know, my, my personal relationship with God and my faith, you know, in times of struggle and wrestle have been really critical. Um, understanding that, you know, it, it's, it's trial that produces perseverance and it's pers perseverance that produces confidence. And those are all elements that we really want in ourselves as high performers. And then, you know, I would say my mom, it, she has just been a force in my life, obviously, since I've been little and has just really always challenged me to keep, you know, my, my eyes up and my feet forward and to not get caught up in the, in the bullshit of a lot of mediocrity that exists in this world. And, and I'm just really grateful for that. You know, like when I got my little funk with my knee, she, I was like, forget it. I'm not going to Notre Dame. I'm not going to Navy. I'm just going to stay here at home and go to this local school. And she was like, oh, good. Throw your whole future away because you hurt your knee. Your, your knee's a long way away from your heart. So you need to figure it out. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> like she gave me sympathy for as long as like she could. And then it was like, all right, you know, don't, don't make decisions about your future based on where you're at in the present. Like, and, and I think that that's a really powerful lesson of, of if we can make decisions in the present based on the perspective of our future, I think we make a lot better decisions. Um, so, so God, my mama, and, uh, and then, you know, my husband now is, is my best friend and he, he keeps me grounded. He gives me perspective. Um, you know, it's like, who's the mental coach for the mental coach? <laughs> it's him. So, uh, so I'm just really grateful for that. And then have been blessed with amazing mentors in my life. Athletically, my strength coaches have always been huge in my life. Um, and, and a lot of professional mentors as well. They just help me process decisions, you know, and that's important. I hear you on the uh, spouse. My wife totally uh, called me out a couple days ago. I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not eating what I'm speaking <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, that's the great truth tellers. So, um, yeah, they are. as you probably see with college athletes and, and, and working around performance, I see a great deal with high school athletes and, and a little bit of college student athletes, just this elevated level of anxiousness um, that sometimes is almost palpable and, and you can almost feel it from a, a variety of different angles and kind of the, this, world they're growing up in uh what's one tool or, or something that comes to mind that you use just to help kids relieve some of that anxiety just to perform and just be present yeah good question i think i'll give you a couple general things and then i'll sort of be a little bit more specific i think first and foremost really like dude it's your life it's not your parents life it's not your coach's life it's not anybody else's like if you want to do this do it if you don't don't and if you want to do it, then make it the experience that you would have it to be, not at the mercy of anybody else. And, and so keep it, helping kids remember that uh, is important. And I think, I think the next part of that then is, okay, so what, what, once I know that, then what? I, I think 
you know, a lot of anxiety is, is created due to lack of perceived control over situations or environments. And so, you know, I always start with helping people understand just the power of their thoughts. And the reality of it is we each get to control our thoughts. Now, we can't always control the thoughts that come into our head, but we can control if we hold on to those thoughts and allow them to repeat and replay and build mindsets. Or if we release those and replace them with right ways of thinking about situations. And so, you know, just, just helping people understand that they can choose to think right in the midst moment by moment is, is a critical first step. And then, you know, I, when I first started working with athletes, they would say like, Hey, I want to work on my confidence. So we start working on confidence and like three seconds, three sessions in, you realize, man, you don't have a confidence problem. You've got an attentional control problem. And because you don't know how to manage your attention, you're not confident in the moment of execution. Right. Or it's like, man, I, I, I have, I have anxiety. I don't know how to manage my emotions in performance. So you start working on that and three sessions in, you realize that they don't really have an anxiety problem. They've got an awareness problem. And because they're not aware of these three things, it creates anxiety in the moment. And by the time they're there, they're all out of sorts and they can't get back. Right. So I developed um, this program called building your mental performance foundation, um, which is eight building blocks of, of just the mental game that are sequentially ordered and build on one another that, that what I've found over the last eight years of doing this with everybody from my little guys, my little eight year olds that I work with to my pros that I work with to my executives that I work with. Um, now we just draw more pictures and giggle a little bit more <laughs> with the little guys than we do with the execs. Um, but what I found is that through that process, it really helps people understand how their brain works, how it impacts their bodies. And that is really how they're showing up in the moment and then giving them tools and strategies to manage their mind, to deliver their best in the moment. And, and, and what I found is that then all of a sudden they have the tools to, um, you know, self-manage, whether they, they think they're having a confidence problem or an emotional control problem. Now they've just got a foundation that they can always go back to, um, to navigate through that. And it's, it's been really powerful. If you're listening, I hope you took some notes. That was some uh, awesome stuff shared with us right there. Um, you've talked a little bit about your journey and your, your, your road to Notre Dame. If you could get in that DeLorean, go back to the future and visit 16-year-old self, from your journey, what's the one piece of advice you'd want to give 16-year-old Amber? That's a, it's an interesting question. I've thought about that for a while since you posed these to me. I would just tell her to stay hopeful, you know, and stay disciplined. And I, and honestly, I, when I look back, like, I think I was, and, and that's what I'm, I'm so grateful for is like, every phase of my season, the phases and seasons that I've been through in life, like I, I, I remember when I was little, like just wanting to, to make greatness in the world. Like I just wanted to do big stuff, you know, and I was convinced that God was going to have me do that, you know? And so everything I did like was oriented towards that. And I don't, like, I look back and I don't feel like I've had a season where I got hopeless that that greatness wasn't going to happen or that I didn't feel like the greatness that I was doing in the moment wasn't important. You know, I think sometimes as adults, we can look at kids and like, they take things so seriously and we're like, chill out, you know, but like, that's the most important part of their lives right now. Like, and, and I took my life so seriously, you know, like in a healthy way, not like, like anxiety provocative way, but like, I thought what I was doing when I was 16 was important. And, 
And I think that I just, I would just encourage her that it really is important and it's going to be an important foundation to what you're going to do in the next season of your life. And then that's going to be for the next season and for the next season. And so, you know, I, and that's not to say I've been through hard seasons because I've been through some really hard seasons in life, you know, ones that I've created on my own because of some poor decision-making, right? Yeah. And, and others, um, because other people telling me that my dreams couldn't actually come to fruition. Like I'd never work in college football because, you know, I'm a girl and they don't, they're not about the mental game and all the stuff, you know, and, and being courageous enough to fight through that and believing in it. And so, you know, I would just say that to everybody right now is regardless of where you're at in your journey, like what you're doing right now matters. And it's either going to matter to the greatness that you make or to the mediocrity that you make. And so be mindful of that because um, it's important. It all matters. So true. Um, Favorite question to end the show. I like to ask, what's your definition of success? How do you view that in the world and in your life? I view success as doing the most with what you've got. And, you know, whatever, whatever lot you've been given, being able to, to optimize that and no one's better or worse among that. But, um, you know, being, being disciplined and intentional about, um, you know, bringing to fruition what, what's been put in front of you. And, um, and if you do that, then I think that that's a success. Awesome. Great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little about your story, journey, and professional career. It was great stuff. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tyler. I appreciate the work that you do and, and you know, you pouring into coaches' lives and kids' lives and, you know, everybody that you intersect with. Um, it's Your work matters. It's super important. Um, and it's it's been a blessing just getting to talk with you and spend some time. You know, it's always fun to jive with people who have a similar mindset and heart set. Um, and desire to make some greatness in this world. So thanks for having me on, but thanks for again for who you are and all you do for this world.